0: And how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everyone to another very
1: exciting episode of Path to Podcast Success. I've got a guest here that I think is going to be a lot of fun to have on the show today. I think uh, you guys are in for a treat, and I think this conversation is going to be—it's well, going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Philip Sessions, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, Evan, thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate you for coming on. Um, so, I like to start off in the same place with all of my guests, and that is by making sure that all the listeners are on the same page. And they know who you are and what you're about. So for all those people, go ahead and tell us in your own words, uh, what is it that you do?
2: Evan, I thought this was going to be super unique where I was going to be totally different than every other guest. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Philip Sessions. Obviously, we already said my name, but I actually live here in Greenville, South Carolina now, originally from the Houston, Texas area. So a native Texan moved out to Greenville, South Carolina I jokingly say I'm stuck here in South Carolina now because I got married to a Southern Belle and we moved literally across the street from her parents because they gifted her 10 acres to build a house on. So pretty much stuck here. It's But it's great overall. It's, it's funny. It really seems what people in the South do, especially in the Southeast, that their family all has land and they all live on the family land. So it's funny how that's still a thing. Being from Texas, it wasn't that way. Both my parents migrated to Texas from different areas in the States. But anyways, uh, off on a, a little tangent there. So I am actually a controls engineer for BMW, currently working my way out of that with doing speaking coaching, so helping people get confidence in coaching. So I've been doing that now for about two years, helping people out, getting ready to launch a Paid membership group to be able to help connect podcasters, speakers, and even authors to be able to have those connections, to be able to connect with people, just like we're connecting here to get great guests on podcasts and be able to share that knowledge with our different guests, but also just helping people with that confidence as well. And so that's in a nutshell a little bit about me. I know I didn't say too much. I guess father now, or <laughs> husband, father, I guess I tell a little bit more there. Kind of got to get off on a tangent it really threw me off <laughs> that is okay kind of, that is okay yeah, so i'm, I'm kind of curious
1: that. yeah 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 uh i'm kind of curious your i guess day job if you wanted to qualify it as that mm. and uh your uh speaking coaching uh, those are two pretty different things why yeah. why, why why speaking
2: well as a young kid, I really just struggled with being outgoing. And I always felt like I got passed over. It was just something that I was there. And really I can think back to third grade where I had a teacher. I missed a day of school and I was always just this really shy kid, never talked at all. Missed a day of school in third grade. And this kind of goes with me being a nerd and engineer now, but I asked the teacher when I got back, Hey, what did I miss? And because I was so quiet and never talked, she said, oh, I didn't even realize you were gone. Now, I kind of wonder, was she really that good of a teacher then if she didn't notice that I missed? And maybe yeah. she was just saying that. I don't know. But I was that quiet that apparently this teacher didn't even notice. And so I constantly just got passed over as time went on, as I grew a little bit older. And I found that speaking was something that I had to learn and I had to overcome. And part of speaking was to be able to actually get a girlfriend. And that also was a struggle and that came a little bit later, but really just finding my triumph over being able to get better at speaking and and podcasting and just the power behind it all. And I want to be able to help people get that confidence as well, because now I've gotten to where I can speak up more. People look to me more as an authority because that, and especially with a podcast and Evan, you probably know a lot about this with that podcast, you kind of have that authority piece now because you are speaking and if you're being vocal and outgoing with that and those that are outgoing and are talkative are the ones that people notice and pay more attention to and honestly even want to be more like. So because of me being so shy, that's what's really gotten me into that and really wanting to help other people overcome that shyness.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. And that's, that it's so interesting that you say that uh, Philip, because it was a very similar story with me. I was always Historically, very introverted. I was mm. pretty quiet. I got, I, you know, I got kind of la- I, I got louder on my friends when I was with people that I really knew uh, very well and were very close with. I kind of came out of my shell a bit more, but typically, just in the world at large, I was very introverted. But <clears> within the last year or so, or you know, since I started my podcast, really, I, I I classify myself much more as an extrovert, which is something I never thought I would say. And nice. I honestly think that has mostly most of that has to do with podcasting, to be honest. And putting oh, yeah. myself out there and having these kinds of conversations, being forced to improve as a speaker simply with practice, mm-hmm. it it makes a huge difference. And so that is very cool that you 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 kind of recognize that you recognize that you were really quiet and and that was something that you wanted to change and you wanted to help other people in the same position do that as well, which I think is incredible. I'm curious, do did you have? Uh, were any of your family members entrepreneurs and did you have anyone that you knew who was an entrepreneur or, or what kind of, how did you kind of, uh, get into like, what, what was the thought process there on taking this challenge and turning it into a business?
2: Yeah. So a lot of my family has been entrepreneurs. So my My dad's dad was a farmer as well as my mom's, I guess my mom's grandpa. So like my great grandpa, they were both farmers. So they kind of had that entrepreneurial thing. We don't necessarily look at that that way, just because that was kind of the thing you did back in that day. That was a pretty common thing. But then my dad had his own landscaping business and all of his brothers, they either, they were either logging or one of them had a diesel mechanic shop. And then my grandpa on my mom's side, he actually owned a muffler and brake shop or it was a gas station turned muffler and brake shop because of a long story. And then my uncles took over and started doing that as well. So there's a lot of entrepreneurship blood within my family and really just it really honestly comes back to control for me uh, i do enjoy my job as, at the nine to five but i want to be able to control my path i want to be able to control my income and control everything and be able to help more people you know i like engineering i like solving those problems and but i can't help people that way and that's where doing entrepreneurship and specifically with speaking coaching is where i can really actually help impact people so i can improve a process automate building a car, that's what I do for my full time job is automate the process of building a car, which is cool, but I'm not helping people. I'm right. Not, I always that's... joke and say I'm speaking to robots and computers all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's good, interesting work, but it definitely doesn't sound like something that is making a huge, you know impact in terms of really making, you know, that impact in people's lives. Exactly. I, I mean,
2: you could find it because like, well, because I improved this process, we can repeat the quality on our cars, which then impacts people to, to buy our cars, and they love our cars and everything. But that's that's not where I find that fulfillment. But you Someone feel a
1: little bit more removed. I mean, there is there's impact in anything, like you're saying. I mean, if you're <laughs> able to create more. Uh, high-quality cars faster, it could bring the cost down a little bit for the consumer, then yeah. if they buy these good quality cars and they're safer on the road, they're willing to drive and then, you know, there's an impact to be made there, but you're a bit removed from that. You don't get to really see that very, you know, very mm-hmm. much because you're talking to the computers and the robots and stuff. And yeah. so being an entrepreneur like this, you, I mean, it's, you are directly making that impact. It's very direct. So I guess that's oh, yeah. a way to say it. you're making a direct impact with the business, but with the day job, you're, ma- you're still making an impact, but it's more of an indirect impact. Exactly. Are you wanting to uh, make your business your full-time gig?
2: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's in the plans in the future. You know, it's a, it's been an interesting road with having a baby. We just had a baby about four months ago from oh, wow. this recording, literally yesterday was four months ago, and it's been a journey with that. So it kind of feels like I've slowly been crawling forward, just trying to do what I can just because the, the craziness of a newborn and everything. But yeah, eventually that is the plan to get out of the 95 and go full into the business. So just slowly trying to build that up until I get to that point where I can cross that bridge and really just, you're showing that that income is there. because the part of that hurdle too is with my wife, which is totally understandable. She's very risk adverse and is not into the entrepreneurship side like me. And she's very much about safety and stability, which entrepreneurship has none of that, especially at the beginning. So it's like overcoming all those hurdles too. So it's yeah, just yeah. A, a lot there, which really goes back to the communication is really communicating to her to understand why i want to do that and where things can go and painting that picture and really showing that evidence as well
1: exactly and you know it's it's interesting that you say that and this is a conversation i've had before with some people but it is so funny to me that people consider entrepreneurship as unstable and a more traditional job like what you've got going on as stable but it it isn't actually true. I usually kind of respond by saying, oh, so you don't know anyone who was unexpectedly fired from their job? <clears throat> well, the answer is pretty much always, well no, I, you know, people that know have been fired from mm-hmm. their job. Well, where's that stability you're talking about? You know what I mean? There is, yeah. it is a lie that a traditional job is more stable than being an entrepreneur. If anything, entrepreneurship is more stable because your success is on you. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more difficult, especially at the beginning, right? There's more pressure there. You don't just show up to work, told what to do, do it, and then go home, right? It's you. You're creating this business from nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you fail, well, that's on you. Whereas in a job, I mean, you could be fired at any moment, especially the fact that anyone is saying regular jobs are stable after COVID. Is yeah. crazy to me. I seem yeah. to remember a lot of people being unexpectedly fired. Not a lot of stability mm-hmm. there. So unless you're a tenured professor, you are your a, a job is not stable. Being yeah. an entrepreneur is more stable because if you are able to create that success for yourself, well, you did it. And you could do it again. And you could do it again and again every single day. And then you make that success. And then it takes a little while to get to the point where you're making the same income you made at your job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then you can keep going. You don't stop there
2: exactly and so I yeah the think, sky's
1: the limit right exactly so hey yeah. if you're trying to convince your wife uh there's a good argument to use you know what i mean yeah
2: and i really appreciate bringing up that point that that is a very very valid point and you're you're exactly right with that and i guess <laughs> it really comes back to the consistency of that income where, which is where i think the stability comes in because when you're working a nine to five i mean obviously as long as you have the job every two weeks or whatever that pay cycle is for you, you are getting paid no matter what. Right. Or entrepreneurship, you can make $10,000 in a day and then you don't see any money for two months. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, here's a hundred thousand. You're like, what, where did this come from? And then it, you know, again, dries up or it could be, you know three four days in a row where you make money and you're like oh dang this is awesome then you go back to nothing again so it's just that there's not that consistency and that for a lot of people there's stability and consistency so i think that's that's probably more where people say that nine to five is more stable because of that consistency because i mean that's what we like to follow people we want to watch shows on tv or on on netflix you know i i personally don't want to watch a show on netflix that only has one season especially if it's like three or four years ago that it came out and it's only got one season i'm not going to get invested in that because i know there's nothing else coming out there's no i guess consistency with that if you will it's not necessarily consistent but you don't see what's coming next and so that unknown is very unstable for a lot of people but you're right i mean the harder you work the more you're going to make and you get to rely on yourself instead of relying on the company and things that are out of your control, especially as the company gets bigger. But usually there, I would say there probably is a little bit more stability in that because you kind of get lost in the numbers a little bit, but then, right, right. I mean, it just depends if you're younger, you, you cost less for the company. They're probably gonna keep you around versus somebody older, unless you're doing really bad at your performance. But those bigger companies, they do so much due diligence, so they don't get oh, they don't yeah. get fined. Or suit or anything like that. So they have like a bucket, you know, just a whole list of, hey, here's the things you did wrong. You're like, really? I did all those things wrong. I didn't remember half of them. <laughs> hey, we've got it here. This is why you're getting fired. And you're like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which Look, you're right.
2: Yeah. COVID really did shine a light on that, that if we don't have stability in that nine to five.
1: Yeah. And there is something to be said for sure about, you know, that direct deposit. Every two mm. weeks, right on, the, you know, same time, same day. It is something you can mm-hmm. rely on, of course, until you can't. But, uh, and especially, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, we've all had that thought. We're like, oh, it'd be so much easier to just go be an employee and get that yep. paycheck. Oh, yeah. But, and especially too, especially with a family, I mean, working a nine to five, well, you're gone from mm-hmm. nine to five every single day. Mm-hmm you know, and, and if you're lucky, that's all it
0: is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. For a lot of people, it's even more than that. And it's tough with a family because especially with like a young child, they don't understand how you're providing for the family. They only understand who shows up. Yeah. And being an entrepreneur allows you to show up because you're there and Mm -hmm. they see you. And I know that I, when I was growing up, my dad had a traditional job and my mom was an entrepreneur working from home. and that's who inspired me to become an entrepreneur as well. Mm. And I' not I love both my parents equally. I love them both very much. but I, I, growing up, my mom was the one who was there at home. you yeah. know what I mean? And I understand logically, you know that my dad was making a huge sacrifice to provide for us, mm-hmm. which is something that I appreciate. But like you know emotionally in your heart, it's like especially as a young child, you remember who you remember who's there. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. And there's like a real, uh, there's a real connection that is made. And so I think I just, and we could talk about this for hours. I'm sure. But entrepreneurship <clears throat> for me, the pros outweigh the cons just so much. Oh, definitely. so much. And there are certain pros to being an employee, but I think the cons outweigh the pros for that. At least yeah. for me.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's definitely some good things for, for both sides and. Or... More so to me for entrepreneurship as well, and then there's a lot more cons. But there's cons on both sides too. So you really have to just pick. You know, you really need to decide: are the pro do the pros outweigh the cons yeah. for which side, and really go with that. And and not everybody's meant to be that entrepreneur. Oh, but yeah, if you can find that way to be that entrepreneur. That's a huge thing as well, and find your way into that. And then typically, from what I've noticed, it's it's a lot of those smaller companies that you can really be that entrepreneur rather than yeah, an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Really, you have to be around somebody that's the entrepreneur of that company for you to be able to be the entrepreneur. And there's there's nothing wrong either way. So oh, yeah, man. entrepreneurship is definitely the way to go.
1: Exactly, there are no wrong choices. It's just whatever you're, whatever can support mm-hmm. the lifestyle that you want. And for me, I wanted to be able to work from, my, I wanted to be able to work in my pajamas. I wanted to be able to control my own schedule and I wanted to, even though it might not be making less money at first, I wanted to be able to control the money that I make and not have a ceiling.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of people, they discount the amount of time that you have. So even if you're, you know, let's say you can make a hundred thousand and you're nine to five, but then you only make say, I don't know, 60,000 in your entrepreneurship journey and your business. Well, is that time that you don't have to work or go commute to your job? does that actually make up because you have to figure out what your time is worked as well. And so maybe, maybe you aren't making as much as that nine to five, but you get all this time back and you can take days off when you want to. And, and I don't know about you, man, but I, but I love working at night sometimes too, not through the middle of the night because I get up super early, but I do, I don't mind working on weekends or working later at night or where I'm sitting at the house. Like we're not really doing anything. Okay. I'm going to hop on, do some emails, do some social media engagements and posts and stuff like that. That's that sounds fun to me being here on a podcast. I mean, this is business. This is work, but it's fun. And it gets me excited to get out there and share that message with people. So it's just, it's something I enjoy. And so it doesn't feel like work being the entrepreneur, even though technically we're working more than 40 hours.
1: Right. Exactly. In some cases, although you don't have no. to, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And that's the, that's the dream to, be able to work less than that. But make mm-hmm. more. And I think yeah. that's I mean, that's the most possible with entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. more so than mm-hmm. most other professions. Exactly. That's true. I like I, I do that as well, you know. I enjoy if I'm hanging out in the evening watching a movie or something like that, maybe I'll pull, you know, pull on my laptop and just do a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't feel there's no there's not a lot of pressure, you know. It's just you're chill, yeah. you're enjoying yourself. It doesn't really feel like work very much, mm. you know, and especially exactly. a podcast. They're fun. <laughs>
2: yeah. So would you consider yourself more like a visionary or more of a uh, an executor like you know more of that CEO or the COO side of things?
1: That's a that's a really good question. I don't I've really thought about that too much. I feel like
2: You like to, I guess I can put it another way. Do you like to just be the idea guy, brainstorming, coming up with ideas? Are you always firing off new ideas and wanting to chase that that new thing? Or are you kind of more in the operations? You like to, Okay, we've got this one thing. We're going after it. That's what we're sticking with.
1: Uh, I typically, I'm definitely more of a find one thing and stick to it. I have never been a huge, I mean, everyone is to a certain extent. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? but I've never been a like overwhelmingly kind of shiny object syndrome type person. I have in the past and there have been times sure where I've done that, but it's been more out of a uncertainty on what exactly I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was because I didn't have that clarity, but then once I got clarity on how I wanted to help people and the impact they wanted to make and the work that I enjoy doing, then, then I, I found that, and then I stuck to mm. that. You know what mm, I mean? Okay, so, sounds like I you're more like the integrator, the chief operating officer kind of side. I, perhaps so. Perhaps so. Because it's definitely... I, I am a, a... A phrase I heard once that has inspired me to this day is uh, half-ass two things or whole-ass one thing. Mm. And so I, I picked my one thing and I'm doing that one thing. And nice. I have my very simple... Simple, simple strategy to make it happen. Otherwise, if it gets too complicated, then it's just never going to happen.
2: Well, what's that strategy? Share that with us.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah, of course. Um, well, so this is, and we'll get into this here in a minute too because I'm curious on your thoughts. But so as, I mean, the listeners know this, I am, I'm just going to, hopefully this has some value to some listeners and perhaps to you as well. Um I'm just going to kind of share in a nutshell what I do. I, I mean, the listeners know this to a certain extent, but I am a podcast producer. I hadn't produced podcasts. That's what inspired me to start this show. And I, I am creating a business, and I've created a business based on invitation and referral only. I mm. do not market in a way where my goal is to get my money from people I've never met, just cycling through and buying a course or whatever, perhaps in the future. Who knows? But that's something I would outsource. I have my business, like I said, built on invitation, and referral only. I build relationships, genuine, and meaningful relationships, where I'm not manipulating anyone into buying anything from me. And I have these powerful conversations with the podcast, with the, like with people like you, Philip. And then I, you know, I make sure that they are aware about what it is that I do, and then I make sure they know that I'm here to serve them. And this is something we'll talk about a little bit after the show as well. Perhaps I'll record my after uh, kind of the little conversation after the podcast at some point because I think there might be some value there. But I always make my guests aware that I'm here to serve you and here to help you and showcase you what you mm-hmm. do I make sure that they know I am here to give referrals. I have a, actually, uh, I have a, and again, we'll talk more about this afterwards, but I have a document where I write down everyone I have on the podcast and who their ideal client is so that I can make accurate referrals. I do that. I make sure they know that number one, I'm here to serve them. And then I also make sure that they know what it is that I do. And I ask if you, you know, I describe who my ideal client is. And, you know, I say, if you know anyone like this, I would love an introduction. And uh, that is how I do business. That is how I grow a business. It's not something that I have any expectations around. I don't, Uh, Invite people on the show to manipulate them into purchasing something from me. Um, It's just something that I do out of of the goodness of my heart, honestly. Uh, I just, I really love having these kinds of conversations. And that is how I've been able to create a business. And then, you know, typically now say someone like you, if you don't already have someone you're referring people to, well, someone comes to you and they're, you know, talking about starting a podcast and they want to, talking about how the production is hard or whatever. I'm probably going to be the first person that you think of. And so that's how I, that's how I generate business because I tried, and we've talked a little bit about it, your experience as well, but I've been in business for years now and I tried all of the more traditional marketing methods, right? Uh, Facebook ads, um, you know, those kind of more, not manipulating, but like the more traditional kind of sales tactics, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, Mm -hmm. the kind of like cold outreach and sales and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know what I'm talking about, the kind of marketing, right? None yeah. of it felt uh, genuine to me until I started podcasting. Mm. Podcasting feels genuine because you have these powerful and interesting conversations. So I could talk about this for hours, but <laughs> that—that—that is—that um, that is how I do business. That's how I've been able to find a way to grow a business online that resonates mm. with me and feels genuine.
2: And I I love that, man. And there's two guys that I know in particular, and I guess one is a co-owner of a company, but one guy in Virginia, he owns six dealerships and and literally it's, I mean, I'm sure people come in and get cars, but he's in one of the groups that I'm a part of called Apex and literally gets referrals. Like, so he's in Virginia and there's been people in Texas buying cars from him and he services them because they know him. And same with the guy in Utah. He's a co-owner of an accounting firm there in Utah. And same thing, people know them and they just get referred. Somebody says, hey, you know, I need an accountant, CPA, whatever. I don't know if they're, what kind of difference there is, but they're like, hey, you need to go to this guy all because somebody knows them. And because they've done that work to put themselves out there. And so it's all that, uh, no, like, and trust factor. And that's, I mean, it's awesome that you do that. I think a good example for us to understand what you're talking about that you used to do that you don't, the cold marketing is all the crypto and Forex people. They sit there, they'll add you on Facebook as a friend. And next thing you know, you have a message from them. Sometimes they'll add you and send you a message at the same time, you haven't even even accepted it. And if they're like, hey, thanks for accepting my request. Glad we could connect. Uh, are you open? You know, are you open to new ideas or new ways to make money? You're like, uh, hello. Uh, do you know my name? Do you know where I live? Do you know anything about me? Uh, they're not even asking anything to get to know you. And so that's definitely that's way beyond cold. I mean, that just <laughs> I'm, I'm, clearly it works because people are doing it. I guess I, I'm guessing it works. I mean, just like the the people that you know, I'm a Print from Africa. If I I need some money before I can get this millions of dollars, can you send me money? And people
1: are falling for that too. So clearly, clearly it works. But I don't perhaps, (laughs) but I I can't imagine it really works all that well. Because that's I mean business. I just saw the news where they are
2: talking about like the text, the spam text you get, and they were saying there was I think it was like a billion or eleven billion, something like that, dollars that people had spent on those texts saying like hey you know you you owe this bill or something like that it was just like false things or like hey here you won this click on this and i'm sure they got to pay something to be able to get it or whatever pay for shipping only if it was like over a billion
1: dollars from those texts those spam texts i guess you know i guess i can't see it because especially those crypto guys there's nothing wrong with crypto but i definitely think there's a bit of a a culture that I don't resonate with very much surrounding it. But yeah. A lot of those kinds of guys, uh, they'll send these cold messages. They're just so like you're saying, they're so beyond cold. Mm-hmm. Um and they send these messages and it's like the only I guess the people they're gonna get are the people who are like just broke as hell and desperate for money. Someone, yeah you know, if you get a message by someone saying, Hey, you wanna make money super easy? And say, Oh, crypto, which is kind of a buzzword mm-hmm. nowadays then yeah. people are going to get interested in that and spend their last little bit of money on some stupid, you know, like just bullshit course or whatever they're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. And then nothing ever happens, but they make money, I guess. But that is yeah. not how I want to do business. <laughs> no, no.
2: Yeah, you want to get to know like and trust people, which is the important thing. And that's why you get on the phone, you you put the phone up and you make a video so people can get to know like and trust you. You can post a still picture all the time. That's easy. You can post a long form text on Facebook and LinkedIn, that's easy. But getting in front of that camera and sharing a message, sharing your thoughts, that's, that's hard. Great. And when you're willing to share those thoughts, especially when you're willing to be vulnerable, I know we a lot of people have put that out on social media a lot. But when you really talk about what's going on with you right now, to actually let people learn from what's going on with you and what you're doing to go forward, not just saying, oh, man, life's just been real tough. I've been having trouble i've got my four month old and she's always up in the middle of the night trying to eat and i'm just struggling to to juggle her family life dah, dah, dah. you know don't just sit there and say that like hey we're having all these things but this is what's so great about it i know this is going to be a worthwhile time we're going to look back on these memories or you know go, go off on something that actually brings value to people but when you're doing that and being relatable to people through your video, and you're way more relatable on video, then that's when you're going to start impacting those people. And that's again why I go back to always talking about speaking and helping people with speaking, because you're going to impact so many more people with your words than some text that you put on a on a post, and exactly. that is just a picture. And then people can genuinely see what you what you how you're interacting, because you can say nice things all you want with you smiling for a picture but when you're actually in the moment doing that video people can tell if you're genuine or not
1: and that's why I love podcasting and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with um, you know a text post like a blog or you know something like that yeah. but oh yeah with a podcast you you hear them you know you're in their mm-hmm. ears mm-hmm. and it feels more personal and more yeah. genuine that way because I mean with a blog post or something like that you Could very well just outsource that to someone else. You you don't know for sure you wrote it, but there's a lot of people. I
2: mean, and I know with podcasts too. A lot of people, all the show notes, they outsource that. They're not writing all
1: that themselves. A lot of people. Oh yeah, you're not even
2: getting them there. But at least the the podcast itself,
1: or hopefully. But the most important (laughs) part of this, I mean, you know, you and I on the show right now, and you can't really like, can't really fake that. You know what I mean? Like no matter what, this is not something you can outsource. Something like Mm. the show notes, not that big of a deal because it's just a companion to this. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, you can't outsource this. And so it's just so genuine, especially because like, you know, with what I do, I mean, there are a million different people out there that, you know, edit podcasts. Someone isn't coming to me because of Mm. what I do. People (laughs) are coming to me because it's me doing it. Mm. And that's, Mm. I think, how a really good business is built is you have those relationships with the people that you work exactly
2: with. i love that you mentioned that point because that's what i tell people all the time too is they're like i don't know what to speak on or well somebody else speaks on this like tony robbins is a motivational speaker i can't be tony robbins well you're not you're never gonna be but you still have that message you know evan you and i could say literally the same thing which we've been kind of going back and forth on some of this stuff saying the same thing But because of you, who you are in your background versus me in my background and who I am, we impact people differently. We are going to touch different people because they're going to relate with your story, but they won't relate with mine and vice versa. So it doesn't matter if we say that same message. Now, we shouldn't be literally saying the same words. So sometimes you might pick up things what other people say. Say it in your own words. But even if you're saying roughly the same message as somebody else you are going to impact those people. So,
0: oh, yeah. Go do it.
2: Go speak in front of people. Get that message out because somebody will be impacted by you saying it versus that other person that already said it.
1: Exactly. I mean there really there's nothing new honestly today no, really. No. I mean nothing that nothing that anyone says is truly new. It's just no. it's you saying it. I mean I like, you know, I'm never going to be Tony Robbins. Well, yeah, no one's going to be Tony Robbins mm-hmm. but Tony Robbins because he's the only Tony Robbins that exists, but you're the only Philip Sessions that exists. I'm the only Evan Johnson that exists. And we say things differently from Tony Robbins. It doesn't mean one is better or worse than the other. It just exactly. depends on who resonates with it. And exactly. Also, who's willing to put in the work. You know, Tony Robbins is one of the few who's willing to put in the work required to get to the point that he is as far yeah. as how oh, yeah. well-known he is. So there's that as well, but... It's definitely yeah. very unique. Um, and and the voice, to... man.
2: I mean, think about think about yeah, it. Right? His voice is not one that's pleasing, not one that you would think, oh, yeah, that's definitely a speaker. I want to have him on my radio show. Uh, no, but he still is an amazing speaker because of that. And I know everybody, especially when they go back and listen to a video or you know, they are watching and listening to the video, they just recorded themselves. They sound so weird. Don't worry about it. Just put it out there. The message is way more important.
1: Exactly. And you're your own worst critic. I, yeah. I always, yes. historically, I always have hated how I sounded on recordings. I always hated the sound of my voice on mm. recordings. But then in the last like few months, for some reason, I'm getting all these compliments from people saying I have like a radio voice. And I'm like, what the hell? Since when? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, wow. So all me, all of the time I spent worrying about that and not enjoying my own voice was just complete wasted time believing something that was untrue mm-hmm. like if, if someone has like a fear or is something self-conscious about themselves i can almost guarantee it's complete bullshit and you're just making that up because yeah. you're your own worst critic and that happens so it's yeah. very it's oh, we could talk about this i i, I think for hours philip but i want to make sure <laughs> yeah. i respect your time and the time of our listeners but i did want to ask and and I know this is another topic we could you know dive into and talk about for hours, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to highlight because you're a speaker, you do, you, you speak a lot and that's kind of the foundation of your business and you have a podcast mm-hmm. and ha- has your podcast had a positive impact on your business growth? Would you say it was worth starting?
2: I don't know the exact metrics, but I would say so. I mean, I've definitely reached a lot of people. A lot of people have, or not a lot of people, people have found me through the podcast to talk with me about business and everything. And it's really put me as an authority in my area as well. My field of expertise because of having that podcast. So it's it's definitely helped out. Now, again, I don't know the, all the exact metrics, but I would say so. And even if it never helped out my business, I feel like it's made an impact on people. And I've had a lot of people tell me, man, I really appreciate that message you shared on your podcast today. And so that means so much to me. And that's, that's why I put the message out there. It's not about me getting money, which of course, I mean, I, I need the money to be able to live, but it's about impacting people first and foremost. So yeah. whether it actually has completely helped the business or not, more importantly, it's impacted people. And that's exactly what I want to do. And all, all I need is one person for it to be
1: worth it. That That is incredible. That's perfect. And give us the name of your show so listeners can go check it out.
2: So I'm actually going through a rebranding right now, but it Ooh. will be speaking sessions. So that should be coming out from uh, this recording in a couple of weeks is the plan right now. So it may, maybe when the recording actually comes out, it might actually be here. So late March of 2022 is when that will come out so speaking sessions will be the name of it so just like my last name
1: that is a very creative name I love that (laughs) thanks (laughs) and thank you so much Philip, for coming on the show other than that if people are interested in you and in what it is that you do where can they find out more about you
2: best place is either DM me on Instagram at Sessions. that's Philip one l or you can find me at speakingsessions.com
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Philip, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success. And we'll see you in the next episode.